the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth. Go over my CV briefly here. I'm the editor-in-chief at ricochet.com. Fantastic site you should check out. Features my writing and our many, many members' writing as well. Um, A fellow editor with me is Bethany Mandel. Uh, You might be aware of her work both on Ricochet and uh, writing for everyone else on Earth. She's going to be with us at the bottom of next hour talk about some issues going on on the other side of the country. Um, I also write uh, every other week, including this weekend, I believe, uh, for the Arizona Republic. I write opinion columns, and then you scroll down to the comments, and everybody yells at me because I'm not progressive. So so that's always fun as well. I host a podcast called the King of Stuff podcast, and another one with Bethany called Edit This. So uh, please uh, check all those out. You can find me on Twitter at EXJON is my handle over there. Um, yeah, they uh, deleted about 15,000 followers of mine after January 6th when they Twitter did the big purge and uh, finally eked above 100K again. So thanks, Jack, at Twitter. Uh, really appreciate that a great deal. A lot of stuff going on in the news. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, we were talking about critical race theory with our last guest um, in the last half hour. And uh, the Democrats love racing into a box canyon for a fight, and then they realize that they're surrounded and everybody's shooting at them. Uh, That's what's happening with the um, Black Lives Matters protests, with Antifa and coddling these people, with this entire 1619 project and wrapping that up with critical race theory. Uh, Another name, another technical term for critical race theory is racism. That's all. (laughs) That's all it is. Basically, you're saying... um, Everybody is trapped by their skin color. The level of pigmentation they have in their skin makes them either an oppressor or the oppressed. And everybody with paler skin is evil and the devil and should be treated differently than anyone who are POC or people of color. That's ridiculous, as all of us know. Um, Walking around my neighborhood, I see people of all ages, races, genders, orientations, We all get along great. It's not a big deal. We don't say, oh, that person looks like they might be half Korean and a third Portuguese. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're – if you got a third of something and a half of something, whatever's left, uh, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they're white. Nobody works that way. We don't judge people that way because it's insane. That's why we don't judge people that way. Well, um, Democrats are uh, facing the reaper a little bit. Because um, there was a poll recently, and uh, basically a quarter of people say that racism is the root of all problems. That's a quarter of people. Okay, first off, that quarter of people are crazy, um, but that means three quarters do not believe that racism is the cause of every problem under the sun. Imagine that. Um, this will not go well politically for Democrats because people are waking up to it. Um, you had with the George Floyd, um, now it's been ruled a murder of George Floyd. You had a lot of people concerned because people across the political spectrums are like, yeah, there are bad cops out there. 
There are bad things that happen. Sometimes they're accidents. Sometimes the cop messed up and something bad happened and they need to be punished. I think people across the political spectrum will do that. But what it morphed into this rioting in the streets, burning down businesses, tearing up all these mostly minority neighborhoods, people are like, okay, this is insane. You can't do this. This is crazy. And it doesn't matter if uh, George Floyd was wrongly killed. That does not mean that everything in America is evil. Everybody who's white is racist. Every police officer of any racial background is evil. It's absolute madness. And uh, I I think in the midterms, um, the Democrats are going to run into a buzzsaw on this stuff because people don't believe this. And I mean people of all races don't believe this. Um, I don't know. Fill up gas at your local convenience store. You're going to meet people of other races and they all get along fine. Nobody's yelling at each other. There's nobody screaming. Nobody's lighting the, uh, I don't know, the Frito display on fire. We're all getting along just great because we know we need to work together and we have a lot more in common than we have that separates us. Um, so Democrats have really caused problems for themselves with this critical race theory stuff, especially as we were talking about in education. You had a situation in, um, I believe the area was called South Lake in Texas, and uh, they basically, the parents got sick of the CRT stuff flooding their uh, kids' uh, educational agenda, and they fought back. And they basically, anyone on the school board who was up for re-election was booted and replaced with a conservative candidate who is not a racist, so they won't be pushing CRT anymore on the kids. You had all these different issues voted on that basically banned CRT from the classroom. And it's important that we ban these things because it's a step back. It's just absolutely crazy. I understand people who aren't really in touch with the daily news cycle, they don't want to be thought of as racist. So they will buy the latest book by Ibram X. Kendi, or they'll buy White Fragility, which is by a white author who's gotten rich off (laughs) the suffering of Black Americans, a little irony there, but they will buy these things and mouth the platitudes and try to get along. It's no use trying to get along. They are teaching racism. That's all it is. No, this is not reverse racism. This is just racism. It is treating people differently based on the pigmentation of their skin. And I've taught my kids not to do that. And uh, so I will not do that. And I don't care how they wish to define me. I've been called many worse things in life. And I'm sure I'll be called uh, worse when I write for the Republic later this week. I'm used to it. I don't care. Uh, I'm not going to be racist no matter what they say. Um, So this stuff is getting pushed out. And that is very, very uh, good to see that uh, parents are looking at this, looking at what their kids are being taught and saying, no, I'm not going to turn my child into a monster. They're also looking at college classes. Um, A lot of college kids are staying at home. They're not going to the dorms. My daughter, first year, she just finished up at uh, Arizona State, the Stanford of the West, as I like to call it. And people always correct me, oh, well, Stanford already is in the West. I'm like, I I know that's the joke. That's a hilarious joke I'm telling. Um, It's my alma mater as well, uh, where I taught Phil Mickelson how to play golf, I might add. But um, parents are seeing this stuff because kids can't hang out at the dorms. So they're moving back home. That's what my kid did. Uh, She tried, you know, I wanted to have a little independence live on campus. Well, yeah, uh, they basically welded her into her room and she couldn't talk to any human beings for about seven months. And then she's like, okay, this is stupid. I'm coming back home because I want to talk to human beings again. But parents are seeing what their 
being taught and uh, they're choosing different colleges. Or, uh, which I think is better, uh, if your kid's good with their hands, uh, they have a lot of initiative on their own, they just aren't going to college at all. Maybe they're taking a year off saying, I'll wait till this COVID stuff dies off. Other people are going to make a fortune because uh, young people taking up welding, they're taking up plumbing, they're taking up carpentry, they're taking up a million other careers where you do not need a fancy four-year diploma tacked to your wall. Instead, uh, you need to be decent with your hands, have a good head on your shoulders, have some business sense. And uh, these are the kids who 10 years from now will have no debt whatsoever. They will own their homes free and clear and their vehicles free and clear and maybe have a couple satellite offices with all the people that they fired. So um, it's good to see some people waking up. Not enough are waking up, of course. We always want more people figuring this stuff out. Um, But again, a lot of people in America are waking up a bit. Uh, Someone that's waking up is uh, the government of Minneapolis. That was the basically the epicenter of the defund the police movement. Uh, What a brilliant idea that was. Since they've been casting all police officers as evil and the devil and they're all violent monsters, um, crime has shot through the roof. You have carjacking epidemics. I'm like, carjacking? When, When the heck did that happen? I haven't even heard of that happening recently. Until Minneapolis. Now people are just stopping motorists at intersections, uh, beating them up and stealing their car, maybe shooting them. Um, Well, yeah, for some strange reason, after bashing cops for a year plus, Minneapolis has a shortage of officers. Imagine that, uh, to no one's surprise. There's a huge spike in crime in Minneapolis. And you're seeing this all over the place. You're seeing it in New York, Baltimore, D.C., Chicago, And a lot of these were cities that already had an out-of-control crime problem, especially Chicago. Um, It's sad. I uh, lived there many, many, many years ago for a brief time. And it's just sad to see what that city has become. But um, (laughs) now, um, yeah, all these people are starting to backtrack. I believe Los Angeles has, after defunding the police a few months back, now they're, I guess you could call it refunding the police and uh, funding it again, demanding that the LAPD hire more officers. Yeah, um, you guys are geniuses. Anybody with an ounce of common sense knew this would happen, and uh, you're all going to be booted out of office if this crime wave doesn't stop. Frankly, if I'm a police officer looking for uh, greener pastures, I'm going to look at these flaky politicians in hardcore blue cities, Democratic-run, socialist-run cities, and saying, no, thanks. I don't think so. I think I'm going to move to a city where I am appreciated and not someplace like Seattle. we got a brief ad break, and then we'll chat more on the other side. Talk to you soon. This is John Gabriel. Fill in for Seth Liebson. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel, and I feel like I'm listening to my high school playlist. little Van Halen for you folks out there, uh, some classic rock. Um, I wanted to go back into um, this article about Minneapolis. Uh, They were at the forefront of defund the police, if not abolishing the police force, because uh, of the George Floyd situation. And again, anyone with an ounce of common sense knew this was insane and they kept pushing it. So what Minneapolis is doing now, they have this worm of a governor. Um, uh, what is his name? Jacob Fry, I believe. Um, he was just like bowing and scraping to the rioters burning down his city, begging them for forgiveness, begging them for absolution. 
And uh, they didn't give it to him. They hated him because, I don't know, I guess he's in charge of the city, so he's automatically bad. He is a white person, so I guess they had to hate him. And uh, he didn't change his mind. He was just like, yeah, police are terrible. Police are terrible. Um, it's just so foolish. The governor did the same in uh, Minnesota. But what uh, Minneapolis cops are doing now is they're bringing in cops from other areas, basically. Um they were getting no support, basically, so you had nearly 200 retirements, medical leaves, and outright resignations, as according to Ed Morrissey up there in Minneapolis itself. He writes for Hot Air, great guy, follow his work as well. But you had nearly 200 um, police officers drop out of the force. Um, that's about 25% of the Minneapolis PD. Uh, how they didn't understand that this would be a problem in the very near future is absolutely beyond anyone with an ounce of common sense. Um, so, yeah, Mayor Jacob Fry said uh, safety in our city has to be a priority. He says we need to bring in reinforcement from local communities because it's really, really critical, unquote. Uh, yeah, you should have thought of this a year ago, pal. Um, you Basically this weekend, a tragic story, which is becoming all too common, um, like uh, Chicago to the south and east of Minneapolis that have seen this. Four people were killed this weekend alone including a college senior who is out celebrating graduation. This is the treatment you get when you have no police officers out there. You had um, Randy Otteson. He is uh, he, he, he's a grandfather of a nine-year-old who was shot this month while jumping on a trampoline. Such a provocative action. This, this is what happens when you, de when you say that law and order is a bad thing, when you say that cops are evil when you try to turn it into something from that movie The Purge or something. And uh, what Raddy Ottoson said um, after seeing his uh, grandchild, his granddaughter, nine years old, shot, he said, we need more police officers. There's no doubt in my mind. And he's someone who says, yeah, the city needs police reform too. Black lives do matter. But he believes they need more police as well. You can always reform government, and that includes cops. But um, if you've interacted with most, and uh, discount the ones who are giving you a speeding ticket, because those guys are always tough to tough to like. I've actually had uh, good experiences with them because I'm very respectful. And nine times out of ten, I was in the wrong, and I just admit it fully because <laughs> it's just like you got me. I'm not going to lie my way out of this, or say that um, I'm pregnant and rushing to the hospital. I don't think they're going to buy that anyway. Most of these cops are just trying to do their job. They're trying to get home safely, and uh, they're good people. And uh, we need them in our community. A shout-out to any police officers who might be listening to this now. We appreciate you very, very much. And uh, they're starting to really appreciate you in places like Minneapolis, L.A., where they've been defunded, when they've been put away. So, um, yeah, support your local police and support reform where it's needed. You know, we can always... Um, improved procedures going on with anyone. Uh, that includes me and my writing. That includes cops, fire, government bureaucrats, whoever you are. There's always a way you can, you know, improve training, improve responses and things like that. But this entire idea of defunding the police, let alone abolishing them, is a curse on our nation. And um, these very far left cities are reaping the rewards of their idiocy that they pushed a year ago because they thought it might get them, I don't know, a day or two of positive headlines if they bashed cops for a while, completely forgetting the time when they needed to call a police officer. Uh, you're seeing some of these groups who are, are caught in these uh, what are turning into lower income hellholes who were bashing cops and cheering on these riots going on around the country. 
now it's affecting them and they are none too pleased about it because everybody needs a safe place um, to send their kids to school, to sleep at night, uh, get into their jobs. They don't need to be stepping over like in L.A., stepping over homeless people who have just basically been given free reign in L.A. and San Francisco, Seattle, Portland. Um, we actually went to Portland. I had never been to Oregon at all, probably about three years ago now, and uh, spent most of our time near the beach, but spent a night, I think it was, in Portland, so a couple days there, and you could already see it was going downhill quickly, and this is before the anarchist riots and so forth, just the actual horrible violence going on there all the time, but you could just see that it was just like the wokest city I've ever walked around, and uh, bring my daughters there. You know, and the eldest is a little woke on her own. You know, she's trying to find herself and figure out what she believes in and wants to believe the right things. And she's a good person, so she wants to say the right things. Man, she was just shaking her head, looking around here. And she's like, these people are crazy. I don't feel safe. What is going on here? I'm like, just so you know, this is what progressive governance looks like. And this was three years ago. Now the city's in flame constantly and she can't believe it. She's like, I can't believe you brought us there for vacation. <laughs> I'm like, it wasn't quite that bad yet. And uh, let me remind you, we spent most of our time on Cannon Beach, which was lovely. Everybody there was lovely. But um, these liberal cities, they're failing. Uh, San Francisco, it was reported over the weekend that San Francisco had more deaths from overdoses than they did from covid that's because they're just handing out needles, uh, giving out, passing out drugs to homeless people instead of helping them with therapy, instead of feeding them and getting them the help they need. They think, well, that's mean to try to, uh, I don't know, we don't want to harsh their buzz. Instead, what we want to do is just feed them drugs and then pretend we're shocked when they die in the street, when they live on the street, when they defecate on the street. It's, it's absolute madness. Well, you have people fleeing San Francisco. I think they had the most people flee their city of all the major cities during these lockdowns because people are like, well, I'm not allowed to go into the office in Silicon Valley and I can basically work from anywhere. Why am I paying these insane rents for a tiny postage stamp size apartment in San Francisco when I could move to Austin, for instance? Austin homes are selling like crazy. And what does Austin do? They start liberalizing homelessness and <laughs> all these things. Well, Austin voters, and this has always been a left-leaning place, especially in Texas. Well, they had a vote a couple weeks ago, and they said this so-called homeless camping, which the politicians call it, they made it illegal. The voters made it illegal, and it was a blowout. I think it was something like 70% or something of the people said, you people are crazy. We can't allow this. It's destroying our city. So... Um, yeah, these politicians are waking up to the reality of their actions. It's all fun and games when you're, uh, I don't know, posting a certain color square on Instagram to show that you're down with a struggle, quote unquote. But uh, we need good policies. And if you care about Americans of every race, you're going to give them a safe environment, which police are required to do. So uh, thanks again to the cops. We're going to be going to our bottom of the hour break. And then I'll be, be be back to talk about the news of the day. Thanks for listening to me. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth Liebson here on 960 The Patriot. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in, editor-in-chief at Ricochet, right for AZ Central every other week as well. And thanks for joining us. 
I wanted to move on to some other news. Um, of course, for the past year plus, our lives have been dominated by the coronavirus. And uh, we were told at the time that this was obviously just some kind of strange virus that escaped from a wet market in the city of Wuhan, China. But you couldn't call it the Wuhan virus because that was racist for some reason. They talked about the India variant. They talked about the London variant. Those are fine, by the way. Those are not racist. But calling it the Wuhan virus or the China virus, as our uh, former president used to say, somehow that's racist to acknowledge where this virus came from. The interesting thing about Asia, if you've traveled around there at all, is there are wet markets everywhere. And they could be pretty nasty places, uh, not a lot of uh, Purell flowing in these markets. But for some reason, this virus, one virus that we've never seen before, more deadly than all these other viruses that have uh, popped up in wet markets, came from the city where China happens to have this bioweapons research lab where they study viruses. Uh, an institute of virology just happens to be there. Um, it led many people uh, who have a lick of common sense to say, huh, I wonder if it escaped from the lab, you know. And it didn't need to be intentional, folks. They didn't want to kill their own people. It could have just been a researcher who was a little bit sloppy. Maybe he um, got the virus and didn't show any symptoms, as happens with many people who uh, get infected with COVID. And uh, he went out and he hugged his parents and uh, hung out with his family and it spread from there. Who knows? But it's not a crazy theory. And a lot of people brought this up that this is kind of suspicious that where they have this huge research center, which uh, U.S. labs have worked with, by the way, including uh, Anthony Fauci. Uh, there's been some funding going back and forth to this lab from the United States. It's not a crazy thing, a crazy conspiracy to think that it might be tied in somehow, that we should follow that lead, especially when you have China hiding the evidence, not releasing data about the strain, not talking about how viral it is, um, what makes this virus tick. They were covering things up, and anybody who was talking about it was uh, disappeared, basically, by the Chinese government. You had Tom Cotton, a year ago now, saying, you know what, this might have been released from a lab. Uh, he was mocked and ridiculed. What an insane conspiracy theorist. How can anyone think such a thing? Obviously, China would never do anything that didn't have the best of intentions. I guess this is their thoughts on this stuff. It's just crazy. Well, now you've had the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, various Sunday shows saying, you know what? This might have come from a lab. Even Anthony Fauci now is saying, you know what? This might have come from that Wuhan lab that anyone with common sense was pointing to a year ago. Now it's not an con insane conspiracy theory. Now it's something legitimate. And basically what you have is the media and the political elites in D.C., Donald Trump suggested this might be the case, and they hate Donald Trump, so they had to mock it as a crazed conspiracy theory, although a lot of people thought this was a little fishy. This, you know, there could have been a lab leak. It's not some crazy outside chance of happening. Well, if it is a lab leak, um, this is pretty bad news, and China should be, not that they'll ever pay, but they should be on the hook for helping out with this stuff. You know, this killed, you know, in the millions, if you go worldwide on it, devastated Italy. Uh, many countries in Europe were devastated. India is currently just kind of recovering from a massive spike in that country. We've had spikes in Brazil and, of course, throughout the United States. It's drastically damaged the global economy and the political um, fortunes in all these various countries. 
as people try to figure this out. Scott Gottlieb is one person who's on CNBC, and uh, he was poo-pooing it a year ago. Now he says there's growing circumstantial evidence that COVID may have originated in a lab. Um, yeah, it, this is not a shock to anybody. Um, again, it, so much of this stuff is common sense. And the press all too often just says, who are you going to believe, us or your lion eyes? That's all they want to do. Thinking that people still trust them on any level. No one trusts them anymore. And they haven't for a very long time. And this is not just a partisan thing. Um, you talk to people who vote on the left. They don't trust the press. You know, It's just whatever gets ratings in a given time block. That's all they care about. It's entertainment to them. And uh, at least the people propagating this, if you're running CNN, what you care about is people screaming on air and, I don't know, bringing up their own crazy conspiracy theories of Russian interference and all these things. They don't want to get to the truth, and that's why nobody trusts them anymore. Hey, we're going to be going to a brief ad break, and we'll continue talking about not only this lab leak out of China, but also other news on the COVID front, uh, since everything's kind of ramping up now with the pandemic, thankfully. Again, this is John Gabriel filling in for Seth Liebson. Catch you in a few minutes. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth, editor-in-chief at Ricochet, right also for the Arizona Republic every other week. Um, yeah, if you ever want um, to be entertained, just uh, scroll through the comments on any post I make. It's It's always the same people who really aren't big fans. So um, I, I'm kind of used to that, but it's very funny. They say they never read the comments, but they crack me up so much I kind of can't resist doing that. Uh, we were talking about this lab leak hypothesis going on, something that was basically referred to as a crazed conspiracy theory a year ago, and now major media and uh, more centrist and liberal politicians are joining in on the the outrage du jour about this, uh, when people have been sending the alarm on this for a very long time. You had uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, uh, former FDA director of memory serves. He was on uh, CNBC. And uh, he said, here's this quote, people a year ago who said this probably came from nature, it's really unlikely it came from a lab. Maybe a year ago, that kind of a statement made a lot of sense. But we haven't found the true source of this virus. Uh, the fact that they haven't found it um, is rather telling in and of itself especially since China has been covering this stuff up nonstop. I think China should be on the hook. You know, they're not going to pay reparations for all the harm that they caused, not only from the virus itself, but from covering it up, from locking up people um, who were trying to sound the alarm on it. Um, they're responsible for this and sanctions, at least. Let's do some sanctions on this. It's insane that China is getting a free ride. Um, absolutely insane. And you've had many elites, uh, political elites, academic elites, entertainment elites, tech elites, just um, playing footsie with the Chinese for decades now. Oh, if we just uh, liberalize their economics, they will come around. They're not coming around. Uh, we have created a monster, essentially, and uh, good for Trump for uh, calling them out on this stuff for four years. And also uh, the fact that he did that. Now Democrats are finally talking tougher on China. Hillary Clinton was saying we need to be tougher on China. She mocked Trump for that four years ago. Um, but, you know, some of, some of these statements are too little too late. We need to hold them responsible for what they have done, um, not only to our country, but the rest of the world. And hopefully people will continue to be tough on China 
and get a whole lot tougher because um, it's only going to get uh, worse as they build up their military. I believe their Navy now has more ships than the U.S. does. Uh, they want Taiwan. They've already uh, basically arrested control from Hong Kong. They're threatening Australia. They are making sweetheart deals with New Zealand, uh, New Zealand just knuckling under to them. They want to be the dominant force on the Pacific. Um, definitely they're part of the Pacific, but also I think uh, the Pacific in general and uh, they're pushing for um, increased uh, influence in Africa, in the Middle East, even in Europe. So we really need to be on the stick with this. This is our main competitor slash um, adversary these days. And uh, I hope Biden stays up and awake long enough to address these issues because this is very serious business. You also have the politics when it comes to COVID and uh, politicians are still uh, coming out making statements. Rand Paul, he's already had COVID, so he just mentioned, I'm not getting vaccinated, I already had COVID. This is a perfectly rational attitude to have. He's already had it. Yeah, maybe he would be a little better off if he got vaccinated, but it isn't a big deal. He's already dealt with it. And uh, no, he didn't die from it. Uh, he survived it, and now he has antibodies. And it makes sense that he's just like, eh, I don't need the hassle of getting the stupid vaccine. Because especially people who have had COVID before, some of those have a tough time with a second shot. I myself um, was pretty indifferent to getting vaccinated. Uh, the rest of my family was going and I went, okay, I'll go along with you. Um, so I think it's been about two and a half weeks since I got the second shot. Not a big deal, but eh, if, if somebody doesn't want to get it, so be it. I, I don't really care that much. Rand Paul, of course, uh, created a firestorm because even though he's um, – <laughs> basically immune since he's had COVID, uh, people freaking out. Um, people have been freaking out. Uh, Representative Thomas Massey, he's out of Kentucky, if memory serves, a representative out of there. And uh, he just stopped wearing a mask on the House floor. Nancy Pelosi tried to fine him 500 bucks. And uh, so he just posted a video of him dumping that uh, fine right in the trash. He doesn't care because it's stupid that they're still trying to retain control after all this time. Um User brain people, this is not difficult. This was not uh, the bubonic plague. This was not an end of the world virus, which was going to destroy us all. And basically, we need to uh, move on from this pandemic. Uh, the main problems of the pandemic came from the overreaction to it. Um, we should not have shut down everything. They talked about two weeks to bend the curve. Uh, it's turned into, what, 14 months. It's still going in some places, especially blue states. One of those states that has had some issues with it is uh, who has – they just have an absolutely hapless governor who has not gotten the attention she deserves, the derision she deserves recently. Governor Whitmer, uh, she is in Michigan. She has been very strict with the lockdowns. It seems to have had no effect on spikes in the ebbs and flows of the virus. Um, they, they just don't seem related to her lockdowns, her mask mandates, et cetera. Well, she um, violated her own COVID-19 restrictions this week. She went out with a whole bunch of friends at a long table to get some pizza. Um, the only problem with this is uh, that's not allowed in Michigan by her own order. Here's what her order says. Gatherings are prohibited at food service establishment, whether indoor or outdoor, unless dot, 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 um, the groups of patrons are separated by at least six feet with no more than six patrons seated together. 
Um, they don't want more than six people. Apparently a seventh person, everybody dies at the table. I don't know what the science is behind it, but they've left science um, in the dust as they've moved on just trying to push these mask mandates and lockdowns. Um, there were 13 people at her table and she's so brilliant as a political tactician that she's smiling for a picture. It wasn't some uh, surreptitious video like we got uh, from Gavin Newsom, California's governor at the French Laundry. Instead, she's just smiling for a picture with her buddies while she's violating the law, the rules that she made. Um, so what did she do today? She goes, uh, she said, well, it was really good pizza. I guess we're supposed to forgive her for that. Look, I like pizza too, but I'm also not telling people they're not allowed to enjoy it. Well, today they got rid of that rule because it made her look bad. To their credit, they did not uh, remove it retroactively. So she was still in violation of her order. But she's been caught a lot of times for this kind of stuff. If memory serves, she traveled to Florida to visit an ailing relative. One of her top aides did the same. And our top aide was tweeting uh, pictures, sending out photos on Instagram, showing what a grand time she was having in the free state of Florida when they basically told nobody in Michigan to leave because you're all going to die if you go to Florida with Governor Death Santis, as they call him, um, who has to be leading the pack for possible presidential picks in 2024. So the politics continue on uh, this madness that we're emerging from. Some people don't want the pandemic to end because they're crazy. But we'll talk a little more of that. We have a, a brief segment before the news break. Let's go to a quick ad break now. I'll talk to you on the other side. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth. I know he's going to be at the border event tomorrow, so uh, check that out if you haven't. There's ads throughout this programming for you. Um, I think the biggest frustration uh, for me in dealing with COVID, one, one thing that's great is the past few weeks, fewer and fewer people are wearing masks, fewer and fewer businesses require them. Um, some of them officially require them. They still have a faded sign falling off their door. The tape is old and crusty, but nobody's really enforcing it anymore. Um, so that was good to see. One interesting thing is driving around rural Arizona over the past year, no one was wearing masks. I, I think I went to one Walmart in beautiful Sanford, Arizona, and uh, Walmart nationally required them. That's the only time I saw a mask. Anywhere else I went, no one was wearing them. It was kind of refreshing, and you did not see COVID sweep through those communities, as uh, people would predict, who are more alarmist about the stuff. The main problem with it, though, especially among independent Arizonans, um, is just the need of certain people to get in other people's business about that stuff. If I was in a store wearing a mask because it was required and I saw someone without a mask, I didn't care. If now a store doesn't require masks, I'm maskless, and someone walks in with a mask, I don't care. Uh, we've lost the ability, especially in this era of social media and people uploading videos of their arguments with strangers, we've lost the ability to mind our own business. Um, I believe most of our mothers taught us, just mind your own business. Um, that's one reason I like Arizona is we kind of have that attitude of leaving people alone. That's all we really want. Uh, it's not a right or left thing. We want government to leave us alone, whether it's local government, whether it's in D.C., especially if it's in D.C., if it's uh, big groups like, I don't know, the NFL or some big entertainment um, conglomerate trying to force us into this position or that position, we react against it because we're Westerners, we're independent, just kind of by nature. And again, this isn't even a politics thing. It isn't a partisanship thing. 
just we just want to be left alone. And that's been my uh, thing with this, um, as I've written many, many times for AZ Central, which people yelled at me. It's just like a government mandate is not going to make more people wear masks. If anything, in a state like Arizona, it will make people like me just say, "Ah, eh, forget it. I'm not going to do it. If you're ordering me to do it, I'm not going to do it. It's the old thing when I was a kid and, I don't know, a wall has a sign on it that says, uh, caution, wet paint. I would need to immediately touch the wall because you can't tell me not to touch that. It's just this weird instinctive thing that I think many Arizonans and especially many conservatives have. Don't tell us what to do. We know how to live our lives and uh, government would have been better off if they had spent the last year minding their own business instead of telling all of us how to live our lives. So uh, hopefully they've learned that lesson. I strongly doubt it, especially those on the left. Hey, we are going to be going to the news at the top of the hour here. Then we got one more hour of the Seth Liebson Show. Again, this is John Gabriel filling in. Thanks to Seth for giving me this opportunity, and thanks to you for listening in. See you on the other side.